Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Today on CityCast Boise, Murphy Woodhouse knows how tough wildland firefighting can be. Before he became a reporter for the Mountain West News Bureau, he did three seasons in southeast Idaho on a hand crew. He's with me today to talk about the long-term health risks firefighters can face and a new tool that could help increase safety. It's Monday, June 12th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Murphy, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Emma, thank you so much for inviting me. So I'm I'm really interested to know what inspired you to write this story. Well, I mean, so I I, I just uh, started here at Boise State uh, Public Radio and the Mountain West uh, News Bureau, and just sort of coincidentally, you know, was was at uh, an, an, an event here in Boise. Uh, the U.S. Fire Administrator, Dr. Lori Moore Morell, uh, was in town. They were talking about a lot of things to do with uh, U.S. fire policy, and then in my uh, my interview with her after the fact, she made kind of a like a passing reference uh, to the new registry and, and also specifically uh, that wildland folks uh, were being uh, strongly encouraged to participate. And, you know, I knew that those sorts of questions, questions about the long term health of wildland firefighters, these are these are a big deal in, in that world. And so I yeah pretty, pretty quickly just started chasing that down. And can you explain the significance of the new registry and its like potential impact on wildland firefighters? Absolutely. Yeah. So wildland folks, uh, current and former, very strongly uh, being encouraged to participate. And I had a, a really good and, and frank chat with uh, with Kenny Fent, who's the the guy at the CDC's National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, who's who's heading up this effort. So in addition to acknowledging other significant gaps in, in, in uh, research surrounding uh, firefighting's link to cancer and, and other serious disease, uh, specifically the predominance of, of white men from city uh, fire departments in, in past studies. He told me, uh, quote, we probably know the least about wildland firefighters and their long-term uh, health outcomes. Uh, that doesn't mean we don't know anything. Uh, I also spoke uh, with Cat uh, Navarro, uh, who is now the head of the Interior Department's newly formed Wildland Firefighter Health and Wellbeing Program. She and colleagues, I believe back in 2019, they found an increased risk of cardiovascular disease as well as lung cancer. And then other researchers have found the same for heart arrhythmia and hypertension and, and, uh, and needing knee surgery, which uh, she said was not surprising. And actually, one thing I do want to say that I, that I didn't include in the story that is interesting. So, like, the legislation that mandated the creation of the registry uh, specifically, like, th- th- this is for cancer. They are, they're, they're looking at cancer, uh, but with a legislative green light, they actually could expand it to, to contemplate a number of other serious long-term health outcomes. I mean, it's, it sounds a little bit morbid, but, you know, it's necessary. There's, like, the waiting game for cancer diagnoses to come in so that, that the analysis 
uh, can be done. But yeah, people who study this and, and certainly firefighters themselves are, are excited about the prospect. And, and Navarro, uh, you know, just to give you a sense of, of her commitment, uh, she actually herself did a full hotshot season in 2019. Uh, so, Which is very I mean, impressive. The hotshots, like why, being a wildland firefighter is already one of the most difficult jobs, but the hotshots are like the, one of the harder jobs in that. You're you're breathing a lot of smoke in a hot shot season, yeah. <laughs> um, and so she she just told me that uh, that this is a very exciting prospect and that that it could prove to be a great tool. Yeah, um, it makes me you know uh, when something that kind of comes to mind when you're talking about the you know not just cancer these long term risks uh, when the COVID vaccine first came out and everybody was sort of trying to figure out when they could get it and when they qualified to get it you know high risk people were first we found out like that my uh my husband Alex who is a former wildland firefighter that they were top of the list because of smoke inhalation and they they were able to get the vaccine before everybody which kind of made me go like wait, what? And I think a lot of people assume that the damage that, you know, uh, the health risks that firefighters are facing is because of the smoke, but there's actually a lot of exposure to cancer-causing chemicals, right? Like, are there any, currently any steps to protect wildland firefighters from from exposure? Because I ask that because, like, my husband tells stories of being out on a fire and being completely doused in retardant by a plane, you know? And, and, and these guys are really exposed to this stuff pretty frequently. I can't really speak to like the like the specific carcinogenic nature of of a lot of the the, the chemicals that you're regularly exposed to in, on the fire line, but can certainly affirm uh, your husband's experience. Like you know, I've been completely doused head to toe uh, in in retardant. Um, but like the, the the short answer to your question is like I guess specifically with regard to to smoke uh, is you know there there really isn't um, a lot of protection against against that you know there's there's been talk for some time of the possibility of like a res- a wildland respirator but yeah i mean if you if you got onto a fire line uh you know you may see some folks with bandanas over their faces or maybe n95 masks those sorts of things but that's like one that's that's not really going to do a lot to a lot of the 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 key exposures here uh and you're certainly not going to see anything like what we're when we think of like a, a structure firefighter, that's, you know, that sort of bulky gear is just obviously impractical uh, in, in the wildland context. I mean, like, we're not going to have those huge tanks out there. And so you mentioned earlier, you know, you kind of have a personal investment in this and you clearly you clearly know what you're talking about from a, on a personal level. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your experience as a wildland firefighter? I mean, at this point, it like it, it feels like it was like another life and another person that did it. Um, but yeah, when, when I was doing my undergraduate degree one summer, I did a, a short season and then after graduating, did did three full seasons on on the Type One hand crew based out of Pocatello, Idaho. It was only Washington and New Mexico that we didn't go to. I mean, just thousands and thousands of miles on our crew carriers across some of just the most unbelievable, beautiful country, and with just some you know truly wonderful and, and strange people uh, from all kinds of backgrounds, <laughs> and, and a number of whom are still good friends of mine, well over a decade later. So, I mean, it is sometimes wildly exciting. I think you could even say cinematic, you know, like feeling the intense heat of a timber run uh, from the better part of a mile away, zooming around in in helicopters, uh, felling flaming trees with chainsaws, racing across the Snake River, playing with a wind-driven grass fire in hot pursuit. I mean, like, it does get exciting. I just, I don't expect in my life to see anything that compares to the awesome power of a wildfire with, you know, wind, geography, fuels, temps, and humidities all aligned in its favor. Uh, but wildfire is mostly drudgery. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it is, you know, running your bare hands through cold ash, looking for heat for hours on end, swinging tools against dirt, rocks, and roots, 
hiking for hours, and then breathing in ungodly amounts of smoke, ash, dust, and the fumes of whatever the fire is burning through. And so, you know, for four or five months out of the year, you're doing back-to-back 16-hour days uh, for two to three weeks straight with a day or two off between rolls. Uh, You work in the smoke, you sleep in the smoke. The smoke is just utterly inescapable. It's interesting because I think, you know, when fire seasons were two or three months and they were shorter, a lot of these, a lot of this stuff went under the radar. But now, you know, fire seasons almost year round. And uh, a lot of these people are, you know, maybe it's because a lot of these people were younger people. You're you're assuming an 18 year old is probably going to recover from smoke inhalation. And but now that, you know, like a lot of these, a lot of these are going longer and longer. Have you personally had any health issues or do you know anyone who has? None that I know to associate uh, with that experience. Like, you know, my, my knees do give me health sometimes. And, and now we do have some uh, some studies to back up <laughs> uh, those sorts of risks. But I think I think like that that is like a part of the frustration here is just so many unknown unknowns. Um, and, you know, I, I've been out of the loop with with a lot of my old fire friends. So I, I, I couldn't say much about how they're doing. But, you know, I, I just think that the basic reality is that you know, wildland fire is just a, a serious physical and, and I think more importantly, a, a mental challenge. And, you know, there are the, the the immediate and obvious risks and I like you're just going to get injured <laughs> like in a, in a, in a, in a fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like some level of injury is just like baked into the job. And, and then, you know, those long term risks, we just don't know a lot about them yet. I want to talk to you about the the culture around wildland firefighter, which kind of ties into a lot of this health stuff. And like you said, like you're going to get injured. Um, you know, I, I had dinner last night. Uh, my husband, some firefighting friends of his were in town really briefly. And one of them has been a firefighter for 20 years. I was telling him about your article and about, you know, trying to get all these guys to, to register to go do this health survey. And they were all sort of poo-pooing it a little bit. And uh, I made a joke about, you know... Uh, I mean, being on genuinely as the spouse spouse of a, a wildland firefighter, you are worried about their health, long term stuff. And I made a joke about saying, you know, to my husband, like, you got to get that lump checked out. And uh, his friend said, "Hey, if your if your wife knows about the lump, you've already said too much." And there's, <laughs> I thought that was a really perfect encapsulation of, you know, this culture around firefighting where everybody is really tough. I mean, it is a tough job. You have to be tough. But everybody also there's a sort of encouragement to work through pain and to work through conditions that are really dangerous. I mean, because that is the job. Can you speak a little on that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is a very male-dominated uh, profession, though I, I, I definitely do want to say that I had the privilege of working with with some quite quite talented, capable uh, women as well. But yeah, I mean, like there there is certainly machismo uh, at, at play in, in wildland fire, as, as, as it is in many, many, many professions. I mean, also, also like a like a young person's game in a lot of ways, right? I mean, this is this is a job that you know, like, probably doesn't make sense for a lot of people who are like more than thirty five years old. And I think it's like, like, along with machismo, I think there's just like the sense of like youthful invulnerability, right? Invincibility, that 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 whole thing. But you know, I I I think like, you know, for for the story, you know, I spoke with uh, Pete Dutchik, who's who's had a long uh, career in fire. Certainly did a lot of the hand crew work and was a smoke jumper. 
something that he told me um, that I that I think probably uh, a lot of like longer term firefighters could relate to is that you know as he started having people under him that he was like responsible for, he started thinking a lot more about those sorts of risks than he uh, than than he had a a daughter born, and that like really made him start thinking about those those sorts of things, and then and then also just starting to have friends and colleagues die of cancer and, and or get diagnosed with cancer, and I, I think like. Yeah, like maybe among the younger folks, like these these concerns might not be as present. But I think that you know, as as people try to make a career and a life around wildland fire, like like what it's doing to your body and what that means for your people, your family, the people you care for. Um, I think those things become a lot more significant for people as their as their careers advance. Even just from a, a labor shortage point of view, I would assume that you know, I've, I they were telling me last night. They're short. They're short people, and uh, they're having a hard time with hiring. And I imagine knowing, going into it, knowing that there's a lot of safety concerns probably turns a lot of people away. Are there any specific safety practices that you think should be implemented to like better protect wildland firefighters? It's important to just say that you know, given the nature of the work, I guess it's it's pretty hard for me to imagine eliminating exposure to smoke and and the other uh, hazardous things that are out there on the fire line, like. I don't even know what that would look like. Um, you know, that that being said, and, and also qualify by saying that I'm obviously not a workplace safety expert, just from my personal experience, I know that I would have liked <laughs> to, to have had something to, to put on to protect me uh, uh, while I was doing this work. Um, but I also just think that, like, as as our knowledge of, of these risks grows, I, I think that that's going to just really put us in a better position to um, to evaluate potential interventions and things that could be done to to reduce those risks. Um, was there anything in reporting on this story that really surprised you? So, I mean, I guess like to some degree, it's kind of a stretch to call it a surprise just because I basically knew it going in. But it, I mean, it really just is like, I think something <laughs> worth dwelling on, right? Like how little we know about the long-term health implications of this extremely high profile work, right? I mean, like wildfires in the West is like just this like cornerstone uh, reality. And, you know, every every single year we send thousands of young men and uh, women and men out into the woods to do this dangerous and extremely mentally challenging work. Uh, and until fairly recently, like, we just had very little information to offer to the to the extremely understandable questions that they have about what this work means for their long term health. Uh, and I guess like one like one specific thing that I I mean, just like a stunning thing to contemplate was. Uh, last year, it, it, before I say it, like it's you know it's, they were talking about firefighting generally, not wildland firefighting uh, specifically. But uh, a group of researchers with the the World Health Organization officially declared uh, wa- uh, firefighting in general a carcinogen. This is from the International Agency for Research on Cancer. It's a part of the World Health Organization. Quote, after thoroughly reviewing the available scientific literature, the working group classified occupational exposure as a firefighter as carcinogenic to humans. Wow. (laughs) Just in general. That is wild. Yeah. The job is carcinogenic. It's hard to think of a of a of a of a of a workplace safety issue more worthy of of, of continued study, and I'm and I'm glad to see that a great deal of of work like that is is happening now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're a wildland firefighter uh, listening, we appreciate you so much. And Murphy, before I let you go, I want to ask you: just moved here a few months ago. How are you settling in? What are you What are you liking about Boise? What's driving you a little nuts? 
Yeah, so this this was a this was an interesting uh, move for me. Uh, obviously, I, I came for an interesting job. Excited to be at Boise State Public Radio and with the Mountain West News Bureau. But uh, a big part of this was was coming home. I grew up in Idaho. I got a, a sister, a niece, a brother in law here in Boise, and then family over in Pocatello. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've been digging Boise. Um, uh, the housing situation suboptimal. Definitely need to figure out how to uh, make it livable for regular people. Very important thing to do. Uh, but it's just really nice being back home in Idaho after a really long time away and just really nice to be close to family again. Well, welcome back. And we're lucky to have you and can't wait to see your next story. Awesome. Well, thanks again for, for inviting me on. And before you head out, KTVB is reporting that 65 Idaho firefighters are currently in Canada battling the wildfires burning there. Most of these are from the Boise, Idaho City, and Snake River hotshot crews, plus several overhead crew members who deal with logistics and safety. This exchange is possible because the U.S., Canada, and other countries have agreed to share wildfire resources when necessary. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, you should follow us on Instagram, where you can catch photos of Murphy in his wildland firefighter days. Also, don't forget to fill out our listener survey at citycast.fm survey. You could win a $250 Visa gift card if you do. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more local stories from around the city. Bye.